You are now listening to the Life is Not Complicated, You Are podcast. Here's your host, veteran, best-selling author, philanthropist, and youth advocate, Carlos Wallace. We rolling, we rolling, we, 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 uh, oh, oh, I didn't know the mic's on. Listen, we back with you on the Life is Not Complicated, You Are podcast. Um, got a very special guest today. It took me a little, it took a while to be able to convince her to, to come on, but uh, I think with uh, some persuasion, mm-hmm. it was it was able to get done. Introduced to you, none other than... Wow, my goodness. Coming to the stage. What an intro. I don't know if I'm going to be able to live up to this, so, um, so thank you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to be here. Well, I know who you are. Right. I see you quite frequently. But but please introduce yourself to the complicated uh, crew. I am Liz Faubus Wallace, and I am the founder and managing editor editor of a company called Million Dollar Pen Inc. Getting ahead of yourself. I Sorry didn't. About I didn't that. ask you to tell me what you do, <laughs> but that was next on the list. So you've already covered that. Yes. Uh, that's what I want to talk about today. I know you wear many hats, you know. I may dabble a little bit into the to the journalism aspect of things just because of your expertise mm-hmm. and how it you know it equates to what we're talking about. Okay. But uh I want to know like what made you want to become a publisher? I never set out to be a publisher. Quiet is kept. Oh. Okay. At all, no. I've I've always just wanted to be a journalist. I've always wanted to inform. I've always wanted to present news. Uh, always been a talker. Always been a communicator. I started out wanting to study law. I went to Fordham University pre-law, and there were just it was too much work. <laughs> there were too many books. It was so much reading, and I was like, you know what? Maybe this just ain't for me. So. You know, you, you, you oftentimes you brag about being a debate champion. I am. Is, is that what steered you to law? You, know, you like to argue. I do like to debate. I think there's a big difference between oh, okay. debating and arguing. I, I, Thank you very much. Effects. Yes. Um, I did what I think a lot of Haitian children do mm. is gravitate towards the professions that our parents hint at us doing. Mm. Uh, in, in the Haitian culture, I've, I've told you this a number of times, sometimes jokingly, sometimes very seriously, is that you're either going to be an engineer, mm. you're going to be a doctor, you're mm. going to be a nurse, you're going to be a lawyer. Well, my mama must have been Haitian because well, she didn't give me charge. She said, you're going to be an engineer. Right. That was it. And... Planted the seed. In no, her no, head. she demanded the oh, seed. She, well, she no, well, we we were we weren't necessarily. It wasn't a demand. It was just an understanding. This is this is just yeah. what's going to happen. Okay. Not just for us, but for them, because a lot of it is they want to have the privilege of saying of saying, "My daughter's a doctor." My daughter is a lawyer, so on and so forth. I think that's what Alice wanted too, but with gifts included, you know. It, yeah. She, she figured a hefty salary come with you that see title. so these things they transcend cultural yeah. <laughs> cultural boundaries it's apparently a widespread type of 
uh, expectation for some parents. But yeah, that, right. that's really the only reason I even considered law. I never had any real passion for it, mm-hmm. but you know, that's that would have made my parents happy. Yeah, yeah. So why not? Okay. Um, next up, I normally don't like statistics because generally they're not favorable. But these, it depends on, <laughs> on well, which yeah, side of the statistics. Yeah, the numbers are. don't lie. It just right. depends on who's telling the numbers. They might lie. But anyway, so, but but I came across these as I was doing research on my, uh, in studying you and, and the things I wanted to discuss, right? And I came across this statistic that says, there's an author stat. 79.4% of authors, published authors, are white. 7.2 Latino, 5.8% black, 4% Asian, and then other. That that kind of shocked me. Uh, I, I didn't realize, A, that our number was so low. When I say our, I mean black. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, I definitely wouldn't have thought we would be third. Right. Um, why do you feel like, uh, uh, why don't you think there's more black authors? Like, what's holding us back? Well, I mean, you made an excellent point just ahead of even stating those numbers is, you know, consider the source, whatever the source may be. And, of course, because I know you do your research, I'm going to take it as a credible source that those numbers exist. And I'm also going to say I'm not shocked by it at all. So if if I were to do a deep dive into finding out more of those numbers and where they came from, I'm probably assured of finding out that it's pretty much along those lines. Yeah, if not those exact, it'll be It would be very close. And the reason I say that is because I believe that we as people of color, brown and black, um, we still are in a state of feeling that we don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. We're still kind of stuck in this time warp of, well... I, I can't really tell my story or people are not going to be interested in my story or um, I'm afraid if I tell my story I'm going to be judged for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I always pretty much find that odd because it's not really that we're tentative about telling our story because you hear it in the barbershop, you hear it in the, the beauty shop, you hear it during tribal councils, you hear it... On podcasts. Or on podcasts. Right. You know, you hear it at, at gatherings where a lot of people are kind of exchanging ideas so it's not like people are timid about voicing their opinions right they're just not emboldened enough to put their stories their ideas and their opinions out on a larger scale in a novel in a novel in a book um newsletter Mm -hmm. whatever form of writing that you you think Mm -hmm. you might want to kind of take part in yeah that could reach people other than your safe space right you know, it's funny you say that, and I, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, from the chair. You know, you, you, you 25 years in the chair. You, you journalism, die hard, bleed it. You know, you bleed journalism as deeply as I do union, right? Yes. And a particular person that is definitely not traditional, but I think he has shown that you can create your own lane mm-hmm. is Shannon Sharp. Love him. Shannon yeah. Sharp. You know, first of all, he quotes his grandmother at least three episodes, three times per episode. Mm-hmm. I love that because he's continuously sharing the knowledge and intellect that his grandmother instilled in him as a young person 
all the way up to he's now, he said yesterday, 55 years old. Right. And for her to still have that impact on him, and I'm, I'm not sure how long she's been deceased, but I think for a while, that's that's major. And I think we can all speak from that, right? I know I can. You know, my grandparents really, you know, imposed a lot, and, and I take I took a lot from them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would like to share for the people that, are intimidated by the traditional way, create your own lane. Right. And I agree with you on that. And I do I do want to just make one correction, um, only because I'm I'm very deaf you know, I'm very deferential to the aspects of journalism. I was in the chair for uh seven years. I've been, seven yeah, years. I've been a but journalist, journalist yeah, twenty five for for over twenty five right. years, and um, and you know how I feel about. Well, if you was in the chair twenty five, you'd be pretty old. I would you, be. That means you started out in the chair. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I I I, I you yeah. Know, my, that's my fault. You know, no, 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 not at all. And and you know, but I just wanted to because somebody will just be like, no, she wasn't. No. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. No, no, no. Like I I knew better. To it's just the that, credibility uh, of yes. your research. No, no, no. You you yes, seven years, but. But yeah, you know Shannon. Like I said, he might botch a word. Uh, he, but he'll or say, "Okay, I'll make one <laughs> up and, and 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 skip a correct." And hey, that's not how you say that. Okay, well, whatever. You get my point, right? You, you know what you I mean? See, now that's the fearlessness I think people lack, um, and I, and I'm guilty of that myself. I've been guilty of that throughout the course of my career. Uh, to be very mindful of, of what I say, not necessarily because they're, it's not factual, but because these days you don't know who you're going to offend. These yes. days you, you don't know what you're going to say that is going to tick off a, a certain part of society. Mm-hmm. And now it turns into this firestorm. And not everybody is really equipped to... Stand up to backlash. Well, you know how I, I, what I say. My heart is pure. I don't wake up not one any day saying, today, I'm going to hurt this person's feelings. Right. Now, if what came out of my mouth does hurt your feelings or, you know, in any type of way, contact me. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. But just best believe I didn't, that was not the intent. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, so, and then that's an important point to make. But I do, I do believe where... You are now listening to the Life is Not Complicated. You are podcast. With regard to to journalism, to writers, and and to people in general, Mm -hmm. uh, while one should be mindful of intent, Mm -hmm. one should also be mindful of accountability and tone. It all it's all part and parcel of the same thing. Where what you write, maybe you don't intend to hurt someone with what you say, but maybe you take a few more steps before you publish to say, am I going to be accountable for the things I say or for how it's written because perhaps it could be taken that way. And I know that just makes the process so much more onerous and it might take a little bit of the organic nature out of it. And I'm not telling people to do that. What I'm saying is, if you know, as a storyteller, that you do not have the personality or the character to stand up to to backlash or to to offending people, uh, they probably shouldn't write it all. They probably, probably shouldn't, shouldn't write, write a blog. It. Don't write a book. Don't. And I look, never tell people not to write because I really think that it's that way to 
to get the Shannon Sharp stories out. Yes, to get the you, stories you have of to. you and your granddaddy. But when I published my first book, there's there's a couple things that uh, before it went to print, they was like, man, we think you should change. And one of them was I, I described the current generation as the microwave generation. Like they want it instantly. Like they first day on the job, I want to be the CEO. You know what I mean? Right. Thirty seconds, bing, dinner's done. And and they was like, man, that could be offensive. I said, okay. And and you know, in in the nine years that I've uh, guest lectured in colleges around the nation. I think that may have come up maybe twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, yeah. and, and a couple of times the students will go, I mean, but it's true. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. They're not, they're not trying to, they're not saying, man, I take offense to that. You need to be able to take risks with your art and you need to not only take the risks, but own them. Yeah. And that is part, that's part of journalism. That's part of writing. Correct. That's part of publishing. If you're not, wholeheartedly committed to the entire process, the good and the bad, then what are you doing? Then what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Now, would you, would you agree that a lot of our stories has been misrepresented because it's, it hasn't been told by us because yes. somebody just, they see it and they're going to yes. go tell it. <laughs> we got culture vulture, we, you know, we call mm-hmm. it whatever, but I'm like, well, if you tell it, don't give someone else the opportunity to tell your story. That part right there. Yeah. And if you're not willing to tell it, if you don't go out on the limb, if you don't do your research, if you don't question the the history that we're being presented, if in your teachings and your learning from ancestors and from people that actually know the story, you know the story that's being told is incorrect and you do not take a lead role in correcting that misrepresentation, you have no right to complain about it. Yes. Whatsoever, and I stand on that. You cannot criticize it. You cannot complain about it. You can't whine about it. If you're not doing something to correct the problem and to direct the information to the sources that are accurate, and, and fundamentally sound in historical perspective, if you're not taking some role in doing that, do not complain about it. Mute. Put them on mute. Now, I'm, I'm going to go into some of, I know you just don't really like it all, but I'm going to take the oh point of personal privilege. Let's talk politics a little bit. And this is the end of the show. Thank you for having me. Los, got to go. No, I hate politics. I'm going to stay in your, your, you know, your, your realm of expertise, uh, right? We'll so. See. Uh, March 10th, 2021, there was a bill introduced in the Senate uh, called Journalism Competition and Preservation Act of 2021. Okay. Um, it's still circling its way around. You know, it, we still don't have it concrete, signed, and, 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 and covering us just yet. Mm-hmm. But in it, the bill creates a four-year safe harbor for antitrust laws for print, broadcast, or digital news companies to collectively no- negotiate with online content distributors, uh, content distributors, social media companies, regarding the terms in which the news company's content may be distributed by <laughs> online content distributors. So I'm gonna break that down for you. Basically, it, it already sounds like there's something funky going on. No, no, no. <laughs> so basically, we need to get paid for our stuff, right? So TikTok, Instagram, you know, all these. There's ways of being paid. 
So for four years, it'll set in stone what the what the parameters are. Then in four years, we can come back and renegotiate, and and you know we can make changes accordingly. The rail rail contract, same thing. Every rail contract is for four years, and I like it because it's a continued evolution. Like who would ever thought you could get paid for a blog? Okay. You've been writing blogs for a long time, mm-hmm. but somebody somewhere said, look, these people deserve to be paid for the things they write. How do you feel about that? I'm all, I'm all for structure. And um, with structure comes consistency. Um, there's, there's some, there are definitely equitable aspects of structure, and that's necessary. In, in all aspects of business and, and professions. I think that's the good thing. Does it create more gatekeepers? There you go. Here's the thing. With regard to journalism, not so much presenting the news, but, but writing, especially if you're um, uh, an op-ed type of writer or you're creating content, you know, enterprising content, original content, the more people or politics, or politicians, or the government can dictate or regulate what you say and what you do based on the structure that they've established, the less you have a voice. Mm. My opinion. I'm not, now, I mean, if you're going to go out there and create great content, great content is great content. Um... So whether it's great or not, it that's an opinion, correct? And that, and I'm glad you said that. That's when we start kind of walking through this cement. Mm -hmm. Now we're because now you you say you have a a saying Mm -hmm. that um, I I truly appreciate. What does my money come with? You would always ask, right? <laughs> when you loan someone money, um, or you know, someone asks you for money so that they can do A, B, C, D, or E. Yes. What does that money come with? Instructions. Instructions. Yes. Right. Yes. The beauty of where we are in this day and age, the evolution that you're talking about, is this wonderful freedom to to speak our thoughts, our hearts, and our minds, and to create real enterprising, like unique content to complete, to take risks, mm-hmm. right? To kind of break out of the norm uh, for women crashing through ceilings and, and, and talking about stuff that we weren't able to talk about before without being like subjugated or criticized. And mm-hmm. for, for people of color to be able to tell stories and even people that are on there being goofy, just doing things that to some people don't make any sense, but it doesn't matter. It makes sense to me. I want to do it and I can get paid for it. It's their story. My story, my antics, my experience. When you start allowing a government entity or whatever entity to now be able to put boundaries and limitations on those things because they are now providing funding or suggesting how funding should be allocated to you, it might not happen today, might not happen in you know the next two or three years instructions will follow. Well, let, let's clarify. And I don't know enough about the bill to, so I, I, just, I want to put that out there as well. I don't know enough about No, no, about what you're saying is, 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 you know, what we do know. 
right. you know, without me printing the entire thing out. Because I'm not going to waste all my ink because we don't know what, <laughs> what it'll be when it, once it hit Biden's right. desk, you know. So, but with what you're saying, I, I, I can appreciate. However, I want to clarify, you can write whatever you want if you don't want the money. See, that's the difference, you know. Um, with, with, with anything, you know, mm-hmm. if you're independent and, and you're willing to say, look, I will foot this bill myself. Mm-hmm. So, so it don't come with instructions. There you go. That's the thing, you know, there you go. and, uh, another thing I say is you can't tell a check writer what to write on the check. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you are yes. the check writer, then 100%. you can write whatever you, you can write whatever your bank account can sustain. <laughs> you know, or support. Plain and simple. That's right. Um, but I, I appreciate your your take on that. Um, that that that's a it's it's very important. And I want I can't wait to see the the final bill and and where we go from here, because to me, it just continues to create opportunities for at home work. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I mean. Gig work at yeah. Yes. You know to so, to be self employed. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. Now, back to MDPI, you guys have a long list of successful authors. And when I say success in this arena, I mean bestsellers. Yes. Um, yes we're I happen really to be that. one that have two of the bestsellers. And thank you very much for what MDPI done for me. But I want to ask, even though I know the answer, share with the complicated crew. How particular are you about the authors that you, um, your company will publish? We are afforded a very rare opportunity as a business to be able to choose who we write for, who we edit for, who we work with on publishing projects. Because you don't have a board telling you what to do. No board. <laughs> you don't have any instructions because you don't At have all. someone else's money. There are no money. instructions. <laughs> no one else's money. Um, Million Dollar Penning is a private entity that, that works on, you know, the, the clients that that actually hire us for their services. Thank you to everyone who has worked with us. And... I am in a very rare and, and honor, honorable position, appreciative of this position, that I can choose the projects that feed our passion. I can, I can talk to an author, hear their story, and say, you know what, I think this is something that our company can really develop. And I see that this is a vision that we can enlarge mm-hmm. and amplify and that it has meaning, it has substance, and can actually move the needle in terms of social awareness, personal awareness of some kind. Um, we've written about domestic abuse. We've written about depression. We've written about um, just the, the entertainment industry. We, we wrote a book about somebody whose wife, we wrote a true crime book about somebody whose wife literally hired someone to have him murdered. And then he kind of just turned the tables on her and she was ultimately caught in the act and, and went to jail for it. But And if you ever ask me if there's a book that we never thought we would be writing, uh, that would have been it, a true crime book. But we resonated with him, the author. We resonated with the story. It, it fed our passion. And 
I hope to be able to always have that option, you know, but sometimes business gets so big and the demand is so much and you want to grow as a business all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You, you want to develop, you want to evolve, you don't want to... You don't want to limit yourself to the point where you're just doing the same old thing over and over and over again. So I guess, ultimately, I want my passion to always be about writing and creating in general, no matter what the topic is. Mm, so okay. maybe maybe that's where I am now, and it just happens that all the books that we've been able to publish feed our passion. Or maybe that's something that, I'll, that we all... Our editors, you know, even our graphic artists need to develop. The passion should be in the art, not in the author. I like it. I yeah. like it. So has the rise in independent authors uh, changed publishing? Yes. Good or bad? Good. Really, really good. The only, um, the only caution I have for independent authors is maintain a, a sense of reality. You know, like if you're going to be an independent author, you're probably not going to get that mega, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars deal, you know, or multi-million dollar deal, which which is rare, by the way, just to put that out there. I was going to say that. Yeah. It's, and yeah. that's extremely rare. And typically it's being offered to people of note, you know, some of, of some celebrity or, or people that wear... The publishing house, and I'm, you know, I won't name any particular ones on here. No, they're gonna get a return on their investment. So, as an independent publisher who kind of just lives in, you know, small town USA with what's a great story in your community, you're not gonna go to a huge publisher and say, "Hey, my story is amazing. Pay me a million dollars up front to publish the book." It, it, it may happen. Stranger things. Not likely. What is good, though, is your story will still get out there because the avenues and platforms for self-publishing are now so broad. You can put your story out there. The key is, what are you going to do once that book is published? Mm. That is where authors fall short. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. You know, I've I've been on the sidelines and, mm-hmm. and watched what I figured to be great books. Yes. And it's a big old secret. Mm-hmm. Like, because the author just, you know. They fizzle out. Yeah, just kind of, the new wears off. Yeah, they have that huge peak um, upon publishing the book. And people are excited about it. Their friends, their family, friends of friends, you know, uh, family members that they hadn't even heard from. And they have this huge gathering of people kind of galvanized around this book for a week, two weeks, maybe a month. What do you do past that? Because grandma grandma only going to buy one book. She may buy 10 for for the church, you know. So what is your thought process beyond your immediate family member Mm -hmm. or your friend circle? Mm -hmm. And that's where Million Dollar Pen Inc., comes in with regard to strategizing and making sure that you don't stop at your aunts, your uncles, and and the people you graduated school from. It's a business. You are a brand. Your book is a brand. 
you are now your greatest brand ambassador. That doesn't stop when your book gets How do you get authors to understand that? It's difficult because in the beginning, they're excited about it. It sounds good. They're hearing the numbers. They're hearing the statistics. And, And again, in the beginning, they are just so blinded by all the attention and all the sales that they're getting, again, from immediate family members and friends, they're not stopping to think this, that somebody's gonna turn off the spout. It's, it's, it's just gonna run out of water. You know, all, you have but so many family members and you have but so many friends, but there are millions of readers out there. How are you gonna reach them? Mm-hmm. And if you do not stop after you've decided to publish a book, you've written it, it's edited, you've uploaded it, if you don't stop to say, how am I going to reach these potential thousands and millions of readers beyond my sending an email that I have a book out, don't don't bother. Don't spend the money because mm-hmm. it, it's a costly process. Yeah, yeah. Would, would you say that, because you also uh, double hat as a uh, publicist mm-hmm. and... Uh, would you say that comes more from your publicist background as far as doing the best you can to put them in positions to tell their stories, you know, i.e. radio and TV interviews, yes. um, high-profile podcasts such as mine, right. you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're um, absolutely right. Like, you, you, want to be on a, you want to be on a podcast like this because it, it's smart, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, and this podcast tackles real issues. And it speaks in ways that the, the average person can understand, but it's not dumbed down. Yeah. And as an author, you have to think of yourself as somebody who's informing. Mm-hmm. People, most people automatically think that an author is really smart. You have to be really smart to write a book. Right. Whether you are or not. Right. <laughs> you know, and what's really smart. So you want to be in circles and you want to present yourself in such a way to show people who could potentially buy your book that you do have some type of knowledgeable stream of consciousness. So yes, getting them on a podcast like this, hearing them talk about their lives in in ways that relate to people, so on and so forth, and having the type of reach that you have with this platform is extremely important. And, And that is something that the publicist arm of million dollar pen ink drives home to these authors. And again, it's all part of the process. What are we going to do past that first month? Mm-hmm. When, you know, grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, and, and your best friend from college already have the book. Mm-hmm. Now, where do we go? Right. Um, many, many years in journalism, I think it's safe to say that there was a pay disparity between men and women. Still is. Okay. Okay. Um, would you say it exists in the in the this this arena? You know, in, in authors, publishers, publishing books, you know, um, I um I think it's safe to say that perhaps it does only because an author puts their name on a book. I think if there was no way to identify who wrote a book, 
people would just say it's a good book in their opinion or it's a bad book. Mm-hmm. I don't think it gives, it won't give people an opportunity to be like, well, I don't know, a woman wrote this, so it's probably super sappy or super emotional. You know, I do see a lot of successful, you know, female authors that sold a lot of books mm-hmm. go by their initials. <laughs> right. Is that, you think, and is I, that why? I don't know if that's necessarily why, um, you know, mo- a lot of authors have um, a nom de plume, like just a name that they use simply to identify themselves as an author. I never stop to think about it. Um, and you might have a great point there because unfortunately we do live in a society where there are so many preconceived notions mm-hmm. um, about men and women in particular mm-hmm. and, and their ability to do certain things. Writing is, is one it's of wonderful. them, yeah. you know? So for, in my opinion, a great story, once again, is a great story to the people who think it's a great story. Yes. Yeah. Adding, adding, you know, female or male to it, that's when it starts muddying the waters. And mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to do that kind of, like, blind test. To just put a book out there, have a bunch of people read it with no name of the author, and, and see how many people think it's a great book. Regardless of Regardless the- of it. And then put that same book out there with a female author's name and a male author's name and see how it changes. How you know, I'd, I'd love yeah. to be able to see, and, and maybe that's been done, but I, I think that does make a difference. Yeah. Uh, so with that said, does your advice differ in regards to, with respect to male or female authors? No, because uh, stories are personal. Mm-hmm. You know, your story is your story, man or woman. So my advice is write Write what you know. Write your heart. Write your soul. Tell your story. Your story is going to come from the perspective of a woman because you're a woman, mm-hmm. you know, and vice versa. I don't think you should try to adjust your way of thinking or what you believe the perception is going to be based on how you write or who you're writing for. Why? Because mm-hmm. now you're not, now you're being disingenuous. Mm-hmm. And if you if you want to hurt me, <laughs> like if you want to put a dagger in my heart, as a publisher, as somebody who appreciates writing and the art, to to write with no degree of integrity or to color your words and your thoughts just to appease people is so disrespectful to the art. To the art, yeah, I agree. Uh, we we drawing to a close here. So before we go, two things. What would be the one piece of advice you would give to an author that's gonna that's gonna publish today? Not want to write a book that's gonna publish. They about to hit go. Follow through. Mm. Know where you're going after you hit send. Mm. After you hit upload. Mm-hmm. Past the first month. Mm-hmm. So that means prior to you hitting upload, you should have been thinking for weeks in advance Mm -hmm. what you're going to do once that book hits the platform. Nice. Where can they find you? You can find me on social media. I am on Facebook. I am on Twitter. I am on Instagram. E. Fobless 
wherever you search. Liz Fabulous, if you just do a Google search. Our website is milliondollarpeninc.com, mdpinc.com. And um, I also have a lizfabulous.com website where you can also uh, get all the information. I have a really great uh, website designer who makes sure that all our <laughs> content is always um, uploaded. We provide that too, by the way, mm. uh, website design. So, yeah. And hopefully you see me at the improv more often. I'm also a stand-up comic. So That's, that's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, hey, we got to go. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, We'll talk to you next week on the Life is Not Complicated You Are podcast. Thank you for listening to the Life is Not Complicated You Are podcast. For more information about Carlos, please visit www.carloswallace.com. Jeremy Can, a.k.a. J. Can, fought hard to achieve success. Years of experience have modeled this talented, multifaceted comic into such a powerhouse no one is safe when he hits the stage. The Houston native never forgets his southern roots and is proud to bring the most known unknown comedy tour to the Houston Improv. This performance showcases the comic's most hilarious characters and gives audiences an exclusive glimpse into this brilliant, funny man's life as he performs on one of the country's greatest stages right in his hometown. Jay Can and Soul Caritas LLC, Houston's most prestigious production and entertainment company, join forces to make this groundbreaking event. Dressed to impress, the cameras will be rolling. This show will serve as Jay Can's second comedy special. To secure your tickets, visit www.soul-caritas.com or www.improvtx.com.